You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, all right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up. We're in John chapter 10. Uh, we're continuing on in a message series out of the Gospel of John called Follow. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Good Shepherd and the sheep. Everybody say, Good Shepherd. And the sheep. There you go. So how many of you guys have ever been around sheep before? You never, you, you never know. All right, good. Uh, how many of you ever been around a real shepherd before? Raise your hand. Okay, just a couple of you. See, so you're going to learn a lot. When Jesus says that he's the good shepherd, that means something pretty important. We're going to learn about that today. Um, years ago, I was on a camping trip or uh, doing a ministry traveling throughout Spain and with my wife and kids and went to a camp and uh, I was teaching on the great I am's. It was a really cool experience. And at one camp uh, right outside of Pamplona, I'm teaching on the, 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 the statement when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I asked the camp leaders if they'd bring maybe a, a local shepherd by and we could have a conversation and I could just ask him to bring one or two sheep up on to the, the trip uh, while I'm teaching the next morning. And Spanish culture is not like Mexican culture, like very little focus on time, uh, but it's kind of close. So it's not American time. American time is by the second, by the minute, right? And then you go to Mexico sometimes and it's like, hey, I'll see you later. Uh, when do you open? In a little bit. Like, well, when's a little bit? Like, give me a time. And so in Spanish culture, it's a, it's a little bit closer more to keeping the time frame. But long story short, I'm teaching in the middle of the teaching. I'm thinking, man, the shepherd never showed up. This is a bummer. And then all of a sudden, I'm really into the section. I'm really teaching well. I got the students' attention. And I see, we're outside on a hillside. And I see cresting the hill a silhouette of a shepherd and a staff and then some dogs and then I see a sheep, and then I see another one, and then I see another one, and I think 300 sheep or so came over the hillside. I'm sitting there, and I'm teaching, and all of a sudden, I lose total control of the kids, and they focus on the sheep. The, the, the lesson was over at that point in time, uh, but it was an incredible experience. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. Uh, but before I do, I tried to do a little research to find out if there was any sheep jokes. And so um, this is what you would call dad jokes. They're probably pretty bad, but let's just see how this works. Uh, what do you call a sheep that knows karate? L Lamb chops. <laughs> gotcha. You heard me? Did you hear? Did you heard me? Did you get it? I, I know, that was bad. I was practicing that. That's bad when you practice that. Uh, this morning what I want to do is I want to walk you through some I am's of, of Jesus. Uh, let's go um, open your Bible. Let's just do a little bit of review in John chapter 10. Um, you can start there and then let's kind of work back just for a minute and we're going to look at kind of get some context on this uh, teaching in scripture i'd start at john chapter 7 and let me pray for us uh, lord jesus thank you for your word you are the good shepherd and uh, you've got something to teach us thank you we need your leadership in our life 
We need your leadership over this church. Uh, we need you to guide us. We need to understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we submit ourselves right now corporately in this room for the authority and the leadership over each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Jesus is the good shepherd. The Christian life is the best life. I've been a Christian for 20-something years now, and it's, it's, it has changed my life, and it continues to change my life. I think coming out of the pandemic, I've realized there's what's been called kind of a global trauma, a global fatigue, uh, mentally, emotionally. They're the new normal is not the normal everybody wants and, and loves. And I think like a car accident, sometimes it takes a little time to figure out just how tough it is. At a soul level, though, probably one of the most important things that we can do, you and I, is that we can understand that we need a good shepherd in our life. And so Jesus calls himself that in John chapter, um, starting in John chapter 7, just a reminder, Jesus has been teaching at this a festival, probably the best and the most awesome festival back in the days of Jesus Christ, when the temple is just the, the epicenter of action. Uh, people are coming from all around, making the pilgrimage. I've got friends that just traveled back to Spain, and they were doing uh, the Camino de Santiago. You know, there's the pilgrimages uh, to go travel these places. Well, this was a holy pilgrimage, wonderful spot. Uh, John chapter 7, Jesus is, ends up teaching at the Feast of Booths. They'd set up camps everywhere and camp out around the temple, and it was a time to show honor and to give praise and to thanks for God, how he delivered people out of bondage from, from Egypt. And it was a time for believers to look back, but it was a time for believers to look ahead to what is good and what is great. And in this time frame, uh, Jesus has come through this. John chapter 7, he's teaching and preaching. There's controversy about who is Jesus. And Jesus is going to say more of who he is in the great I am statements. The great I am statements, if you looked back in John 6, he says, I'm the bread of life, uh, right after he performed a miracle and fed uh, multitudes of people, he performs a miracle, he demonstrates the righteousness of God, and then he declares it. He constantly does that. That's how Jesus does things. Uh, in John chapter 8, you, you see that uh, Jesus proclaims that he's the light of the world. This is the second uh, I am statement listed in the gospel of John. It's an identity statement of who Jesus Christ is. This probably was after the time that they had lit the candles, these candelabras is what they're called, massive candles in the temple that illuminated the temple so everybody could see like, wow, that temple looks amazing. And it was a symbol and a reminder that they are uh, a light unto all the nations. It's a symbol and a reminder of how God uh, in the, the wilderness uh, time frame leading them out of Egypt, how he led them by a pillar of fire by night. Like God is good. God is, uh, will rescue. God will redeem. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And so John chapter 8, Jesus probably as the candelabras are lit up, is that he is saying, I'm the light of the world. And that is mic drop moment. That is, he's proclaiming that he's the light unto all the nations. That's what happens in John chapter 8. 
And then he talks about the truth and the truth will set you free. And then in John chapter nine, he heals a blind man. And so, you know, he heals a blind man, but he just said he's the light of the world. Then he says, you're in darkness. You need light. Like Jesus is connecting the dots for people. And still there's a lot of people that are confused. And so then John chapter 10, he says that, that he's the door. He says, I'm the door to salvation. And that's what we talked about last week. I said, there's the door of grace and then there's the door of guilt. This morning, he says, I'm the good shepherd. John chapter 10, let's jump in it. And uh, we're going to learn about ourselves and we're going to learn about Jesus and being the good shepherd. And if you want to follow Jesus all the days of your life, then you better figure this message out. So I think we all probably need just a little rededication right now in, in, in the Christian heart. A rededication to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Be my good shepherd. Uh, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's somebody who's going to, he's willing to die for the sheep is what Jesus is doing. He's comparing and contrasting. Uh, the shepherds were known for uh, being uh, not only a physical, literal shepherd that guided sheep around, but in religious talk, it was the teachers that were like the shepherds. And so Jesus is going to compare and contrast the kind of the false religion, the false teachers with himself as the true uh, teacher, true shepherd. Verse 12, he says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the, help me out, sheep. There you go. This is the fourth uh, I am statement that's been made in John's gospel. There's seven of them. Uh, we're going to go through the other three into the new year, so you can come back after Christmas, and we're going to look at the other great I am statements. Uh, like I said, he's already said he's the bread of life, he's the light of the world, he's the door. Now he says he's the good shepherd. Certainly in making this statement, he's absolutely comparing and contrasting himself against uh, the religion of the day, false shepherds uh, that were there. And Jesus has already called them thieves and robbers. He's already described them now. He's described them as hirelings, meaning they're just hired on. Uh, they don't own anything. They just are hired on. It's kind of like, how many of you guys are small business owners? Would you raise your hand? Okay. There's a difference, is there not, between the owner and the employee? If you own the business, boy, you care about that business. If you're an employee, it's not that you don't care, just that you don't own it. When you own something, you care for it. If you, there's a difference between renters and owners in homes. And what Jesus is doing is he's kind of bringing to light the issue that there were shepherds literally uh, that were hired on by uh, large ranchers that would own a lot of sheep, and they didn't really care if the sheep got attacked that much. They would just say, well, I was out and I don't know what happened. The sheep, uh, a wolf came by, snatched them and boom, then uh, they're gone. I'm sorry, boss. And Jesus is comparing and contrasting 
uh, the religious leaders of his day to himself, calling them hired hands and not a true shepherd, and they care nothing for the sheep. Uh, Verse 14, let's just jump into that. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So if he's the good shepherd, then there's bad shepherds. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And so here's what we're going to learn this morning in looking at this is I want to share with you a little bit more about understanding what a shepherd is. The biblical imagery for shepherd is probably a false image of what we hold in our mind. Many of us, when we're thinking about a shepherd, probably think that it's just a very nice gentleman who's leading sheep through a field and frolicking sheep, and that is perhaps the imagery, the good shepherd. Um, But I want to share with you a better uh, understanding of what the concept of shepherd means in biblical history. in what Jesus would be meaning in this. The biblical image of shepherd is a man that's surrounded by many threats from which he must protect the flock within his charge. He would work in a very harsh and unforgiving terrain with barren wilderness, rocky areas, dangerous mountains, valleys, and passes within which he would find water and secure and good pasture. He'd face all sorts of threats of bandits and robbers and thieves. People would come along and try to say, well, there's some sheep, I can take them, and they would steal them. So a shepherd literally had to be able to fight. He had to be able to fend off wolves, uh, bears, lions. I did research this week. There were bears, lions, leopards, hyenas, and wolves all around the Palestinian area. Um, So when Jesus says he's the good shepherd, he's going to lay down his life, he means he's going to protect against the ravenous beasts. Uh, protecting the flock at all costs is what a good shepherd uh, would do. Uh, let's look at the life of a good shepherd. All throughout the Bible, there's mentioned all sorts of shepherds. Um, let's look at one in, from David. If you'll turn in your Bible, I don't have it on the screen, First Samuel chapter 17. If you'll turn there just for a moment, um, we're going to look at the story of David. He was a shepherd uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, He is in charge of sheep. That's what a shepherd does. And so I want to show you how tough a shepherd really is in biblical times. Uh, David wants to fight because he's a fighter. Some of you are uh, just gifted at fighting. You just have, you're a very tough person. You can handle the conflict and you're ready to step toe to toe. Um, listen to David. This is him, a man of great courage. Uh, there's a Philistine who's been taunting the armies of God, and David says, I'll take him out because I've already got the resume to prove that I can do it. He goes to the key man, that is Saul, King Saul, and says, let me fight. And this is what Saul says. And Saul said to David in verse 33, Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're nothing but a youth. And, you've, and he has been a man of war from his youth. In other words, you're going against a very trained military uh, gladiator, if you will. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. 
And when there came a lion or a bear, I took a lamb, and it took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Let me pump the brakes for a second. What he just said was that he said that when a lion or a bear would rush into the herd of sheep and grab one, David didn't stand there and watch it get ripped to pieces. He would run after that lion, run after that bear, and then pull the lamb out of his mouth, and then he's going to kill the lion or the bear. And continuing on, he says in verse 35, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Boy, that's some talk right there. I'm going to strike this man down like a lion or a bear. And that's exactly what he did. This is the picture of a shepherd. And that's exactly what he does. When we look at the life of Jesus Christ and he says he's a shepherd, he's a protector. He's a fierce protector, a strong protector. Not a weak and mild shepherd man just carrying lambs around, frolicking around the field. This is what Jesus would mean when he says he would lay down his life. And that is exactly uh, what happens is that Jesus is going to lay down his life. Verse 16, uh, moving on, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Uh, I think of what Jesus is saying specifically here is perhaps he's referring to that salvation is not simply for the Jews and the, Israel, and the nation of Israel, but it's for all the Gentiles. It's for all those uh, that he's going to have to go out of his way a little bit for. And that's exactly what he did in John chapter 4 when he went to the woman at the well in Samaria. Do you remember that? He goes after her, goes way out of his way to include her and offer her salvation. Verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. This is prophetic language that he's using about his resurrection. He's not just a normal shepherd that's going to lay down his life. He can take it up again. He will be raised from the dead. He is prophetically speaking here. Verse 18, he's going to clarify that it's on his own accord. He says, no one takes it from me. So we can't just say uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, unwillingly went to the cross. He absolutely laid down his life as a sacrifice willingly. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. I think John the apostle is putting in this uh, detail of what Jesus said uh, to remind us of what will later happen with Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. Do you remember that? Perhaps if you don't, let me remind you. Jesus is about to go uh, to the cross, and there's a man who has the power under Roman law to put him to death, so it seems. And he stands before Pilate, and Pilate says, don't you know? Uh, I have the authority to give you life or to give you death. And Jesus responds back, and he says, no, you don't. No authority has been given to you other than what has already been granted by my father. And Pilate's like, what? 
Absolutely. Jesus is operating in divine authority. He lays down his life willingly. This would be a claim for deity. He's claiming that he is God. He's claiming he's going to lay down his life. He's claiming that he will be raised again. This is unique among all other religions, unique among everything else you've ever heard of for religion, for these folks at this time, and for us even today. Jesus is claiming he is God and claiming he will willingly lay down his life and raise again. Verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. That was a popular uh, accusation, slanderous statement they made about Jesus. He's demonically possessed all his miracles. It's witchcraft. It's really not operating on divine power. It's uh, demonic. Or he's insane. Or and insane. So that's a double problem. He's, uh, some say he's demonically possessed and he's insane. He's just crazy. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of the one who op uh, oppressed by a demon. Can a demon really open the eyes of the blind? Jesus had healed a blind man. So there's controversy. So let me do this. I want to clarify who Jesus is for you and me and who Jesus was saying who he was. But first, let's take a moment to remember who we are. We can't understand our Savior until we understand ourselves a little bit. So let's start there. Uh, the Bible describes us that we are like sheep. There's four characteristics of sheep that I want to share with you. And Isaiah 53.6 kind of encapsulates them all. Isaiah 53.6 says this. Let's read it out loud together. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the state of humanity. This is the state of the human heart. We turn away from God. We're like sheep. We go our own way. We don't do what we should. Oftentimes, we are born lost. We're born in sin. The Bible says we're hopeless, in a sense, apart from Jesus Christ. You and me are the sheep, absolutely in biblical language. You go from Old Testament to New Testament. God likens people, believers, like sheep. So we are like sheep. But we've all gone astray. We've all turned each to our own way. How many of you would acknowledge sometimes you like to go your own way? Okay, there you go. And uh, here's the problem with that. There's four characteristics of sheep. Uh, literally and figuratively, let's look at these. Number one, sheep get lost. They really do. Uh, they can easily get lost. I did an interview with a shepherd uh, out in Gilbert this uh, week in preparation, and I actually had five characteristics, and he made me cut one. Uh, I thought sheep were really dirty, but apparently they're clean. I, I don't know how they stay clean. Apparently, uh, sheep stay clean because they don't like to get in the mud a whole lot because it clogs up their hooves, and so they constantly are trying to stay clean. I thought they were dirty, but he said, no, that is not true. But I said, do they get lost a lot? He said, yes, absolutely. They get lost all the time. They get to eating, and all of a sudden, they just wander off, and the herd can easily be separated from them because they're so happy about what they're doing, and they wander off. And when you wander off, and this is true in the Christian life, when you wander off from your fellow believers and other people, you're easily vulnerable to attack. 
Uh, sheep can easily get lost. Uh, number two, sheep are stubborn. It's very interesting to me that they, uh, they are very stubborn. I asked this rancher this. He was down in Gilbert, and, uh, uh, you know, he's a country guy. Uh, Jacob is the name of the rancher. And I asked him, I said, well, tell me about them. And he said, man, they're the most stubborn things you don't ever seen. And I said, man, remind me where you're from. He said, Gilbert. And I said, man, is there other Gilbillies like you down there? And uh, he's like, is that an insult, Pastor? <laughs> I said, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm fellow redneck, so we're good. Don't worry about it. Uh, sheep are stubborn. That is true. Uh, he said they're very, very stubborn. He said that's why you got to name them. You got to name them and you got to find the leader of the sheep. I said, there's leadership? He said, oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it at your house. How many of you have more than one dog? Come on. Who, how many have more than one dog? Okay. You got an alpha dog, right? There's one dog that's kind of top dog. <laughs> and that dog kind of calls the shots. In the sheep world, apparently that's what's happening. Okay? And the rancher, the shepherd, has to get in touch with the lead sheep. And if he, that lead sheep has problems, him and, him and the shepherd have problems, and the whole herd has problems. And they're all stubborn. But if you can get that lead sheep to submit and listen and follow the voice of the shepherd, then the rest of the herd will follow a little bit better. But by nature, sheep are stubborn. This is much like us. We can easily be stubborn, not wanting to do and follow God's will and purpose and plan. How many of you guys would acknowledge that you're a little stubborn sometimes? Raise your hand. Uh, somebody's elbowing somebody over there. Somebody's elbowing somebody over there. Yeah, yeah, right, right over here. You, you know, it, it can be that way. Uh, number three, sheeps are defenseless. This is the title the Lord gives us? You and me are sheep? I don't like that title. I don't want to be defenseless. I want to be a defender. But this is the characteristic. I asked the, my Gilbilly buddy, and I said, uh, are they really defenseless? Because I know biblically speaking, we are defenseless apart from Jesus Christ. And he said, oh, yeah, man, they are defenseless. They don't have fangs. They don't have claws. They got nothing. They got some ram horns for the, for the you know, the male uh, a sheep or whatnot. But he said, that's not going to do nothing for a bear or a lion. A bear or a lion will just work around that and kill them. You and I are defenseless apart from the Lord's work in our life, apart from Jesus Christ. This is the message of Christianity. We have a good shepherd. You and I are sheep. We are defenseless. Number four, sheep follow the herd. That makes sense. You know, um, we had a cattle dog or a herding dog. I forget, Australian shepherd or whatever it was. And that sucker, you'd let it out anywhere. It tried to herd anything that was around. And... Uh, Sheep follow the herd. They stick in a herd. And if they are, if I watch the Discovery Channel, uh, I like that. That's a lot of fun watching that thing. And I watch sometimes if anything breaks from the herd, guess what happens? It gets taken out by a wolf, a lion, it doesn't matter. You know, um, but they follow the herd and they stick together. But it's herd-like mentality. Over the last two years in American culture, there's been some herd-like mentality that I want to kind of make you aware of. There is this, uh, 
concept that's kind of come up, uh, and I got this t-shirt to help jog your memory. How many of you are familiar with this shirt called Lions Not Sheep? Raise your hand so I can know who I'm talking to. Raise your hand really high if you're familiar with this shirt. Um, my aim is not to blast this shirt, but I want to bring some clarity about what this means. And then what does it mean as a Christian and how should we see ourselves as leaders? And if you think this shirt looks a little feminine, the way it's cut, it is. It's a lady shirt, so that's why I'm not wearing it, okay? <laughs> so one of you ladies, I can toss this to you in a little bit. You can have it if you'd like. But let me, let me explain something to you. Here's going to be my point this morning is the Bible teaches us and Jesus teaches us. And you and I, if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we need to not see ourselves as lions. Um, you're, you only got two options. Um, the Bible teaches this concept is be like sheep or a shepherd, but not a lion. Whatever you do, whether sheep or shepherd, you need to follow the good shepherd. Amen. Here's why. Um, so, um, you, you know, the, this uh, shirt, I'll explain this and then go back through the biblical understanding and all that. The shirt is uh, kind of riffs off a popular conservative stance that gained prominence during the pandemic uh, by kind of denigrating those who adhered to strict health guidelines as followers, right? And you and I saw that. People that almost blindly kind of follow whatever the CDC said or whatever political movement they're associated with. They just like, it was literally like herd mentality. I mean, can we not say that, right? So, um, and I, I agree with that. I think um, the messaging and the branding featured a little bit of the right-wing messaging and uh, the idea of lions, not sheep, is I don't think they're trying to be super faithful to the biblical uh, metaphors. I just think they came up with it from the animal kingdom, you know. But I do want to bring clarity to this as a believer. Um, the idea here was that you're, you need to be a leader, that you don't just need to be a follower. And I agree with that. You need to think for yourself. You don't need to do everything that everybody else does because everybody's doing it. Amen? Like, you've heard it said, well, if, you're, if your friends walked off a cliff, would you walk off a cliff? Uh, the answer should be no, I will not. Uh, so that is the appropriate principle here. Um, but I want to walk you through just for a moment, understanding the right kind of idea. Number one, with lions, you need to understand in the biblical framework of the Bible, um, they're literal and figurative all throughout the Bible. It's mentioned 130 different times as literal references. Literally, there was literal uh, lions all throughout ancient times, uh, and especially even in Jesus's time. Um, in fact, there were lions in Israel, this is really cool, up to the 1200s during the Crusades. Um, they've, all, they've always been a threat, though. The Bible symbolizes uh, figuratively with lions as either um, the, the one good example of a lion in the Bible that is really good is Jesus, the Lion of Judah. And it's a good reference of his power, his majesty, his regal, his power and authority. And this is probably where we got the idea from C.S. Lewis. If you've seen Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a, he's a lion. Okay, that's great. But let me tell you something. You are not a lion. Lions cannot be led by a shepherd. Lions eat the shepherd. Okay, another thing, lions eat sheep. 
you, as a Christian, you cannot be a lion who eats sheep. Does that make sense? So where is the, the push or the opportunity uh, for the idea of something good? Let me just clarify a, a couple of biblical passages, and then we'll look at it. First Peter 5.2 says this. It says, be shepherds over the flock. And this is talking to church leaders. This is talking to Christians. So you are a sheep, yes, but you can also be a shepherd. So if I was, North Valley was cranking out shirts during the pandemic, rewind the clock, I'd put shepherds, not sheep. I always tell my kids, you got three options. You can be a shepherd, you can be a sheep, or you could be a wolf. Choose a shepherd, but you're always a sheep. But even the shepherd's got to follow the good shepherd. This is what uh, 1 Peter 5.2 says about church leadership. He says, be shepherds over the flock of God that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it as God does. So let's learn about how God shepherds, which we're going to learn about. Don't do this because you have to, like a hireling, but do this because you want to. 1 Peter 5.8 says, your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.9 says, be firm in the faith and resist him, knowing that other believers throughout the world are going through the same kind of suffering as well. So what does it mean for us to be shepherds? Be a shepherd, be a shepherd, be a shepherd. Those of you who have leadership gifts, um, you need to be a shepherd. You are a sheep because you need Jesus to guide you, but you also need to be a shepherd because you have influence. Teachers are shepherds. They have students. That's the little flock. Pastors are shepherds over a congregation. The congregation is the flock. Uh, political leaders, whether they see themselves or not, even the Bible affirms this idea. It's in, within religious history of uh, Judeo-Christian Christi Christianity is the idea that political leaders serve in some sense as shepherding over citizens. Um, overseers in any capacity, doctors, uh, nurses and caregivers over their patients, lawyers over their clients, business leaders over their employees, employees over their customers, church leaders over community groups or kids ministries or youth ministries. Are you with me? Do, do you get it that you have an influence over a little flock? So when you go out, you'd be like, this is my little flock. Or you could say, this is my little tribe. But the biblical language is, is that you have some shepherding uh, leadership uh, to, to consider. Um, so what I want to do is to help you to understand how do you follow uh, the good shepherd. I want you to know that you are sheep as a Christian, but you also can be a shepherd if you have influence over people's lives, but you need to do something regardless if you're more sheepish or shepherd-like you need to follow the good shepherd. So let's look at three different characteristics of the good shepherd. Number one, the good shepherd guides. He guides. How many of you would say you need guidance right now in your life about a decision or something that's going on in your life right now? Raise your hand really high. And I'll pray for you in just a minute. And we need guidance in our life. I think um, specifically, I, I want to uh, help you understand as a faithful shepherd not only protected the flock, 
but would lead them to a pasture where he could be adequately fed and safe and secure. The shepherd would go out and he would check uh, the pasture for pits. Um, when I'm out in the back country, it's happened before in Arizona, a lot of mines. Um, there can be mine shafts that drop down 40 to 60 feet. And when I'm out bird hunting with my dog, that's not where I want my dog to, to run across and fall into that. A shepherd would go out into the field and make sure there's no pits uh, uh, for uh, uh, places where uh, snakes would be or other uh, dangers and poisonous plants or dangerous animals, he would check, he would guide. And so what we see in Scripture is one of the per, probably one of the most um, wonderful passages in the Bible about understanding God's guiding shepherd love over his people is written by uh, King David, who was a shepherd king uh, and a literal shepherd as a young boy. And he wrote the uh, 23rd Psalms. And it, here's the paraphrase from the New Living Translation. Psalms 23.3 says this, uh, he guides me along right paths. Uh, the ESV says he leads me in paths of righteousness. This is why I prayed earlier that we need uh, leadership over our life. If you are a lion, you're at the top of the food chain. What you need to see yourself as a sheep in desperate need of a good shepherd. You could see yourself as a sh underling shepherd, but learning from the good shepherd. But you cannot see yourself as one as the king of the jungle. You're not king of the kingdom. Jesus is king of the kingdom. You need his leadership over your life and you need to ask him to guide you and direct you on a regular basis. Sheep are absolutely dependent on the good shepherd. And this is the relationship that God offers you and he offers me is that he helps you make decisions that you need to make. You've got life is a journey and you've got all these decisions to make on what you're going to do. And I think here, practically speaking, the right path or the path of righteousness, practically it's what kind of relationship should I be in? How do I navigate the divorce? How do I deal with the drama of the family that I'm dealing with? I need the right path, Lord. Guide me and direct me. Some of you are in financial troubles and uh, spending or debt, and you don't know how to navigate out of that. This is where you go to your heavenly father and you pray, guide me through this season. Some of you have gotten uh, bad news, the cancer's back again, and you do not know how to navigate through this. Some of you are caregivers for your family and for your aging parents. Dear Lord Jesus, guide me through this. You are the good shepherd. Amen? You need guidance. I need guidance. We have a good shepherd. So how do you get guidance? You listen to his voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. Jesus said that. Do you listen to the Lord? You ever get quiet and let him speak to you? Do you open the Bible and say, speak to me, Lord? Do you ever invite the Holy Spirit to help you understand what needs to be done? Do you ever ask him and slow down and maybe listen to some music or maybe just get out in the beautiful mountains Yesterday, I was in the Harquahalas in the wilderness area, and I, just the beauty and the power of the mountains and all of that is so calming. You get quiet before the Lord. Can you listen to Him? 
coming out of two years of the pandemic, uh, one author calls it global trauma. It's like uh, PTSD. Some of us have been so busy and frantically trying to recover a new normal that it's kind of been wearisome on the soul and we can't figure it all out right now. So you listen to his voice and Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. This is what we do as a believer. You follow him. What do you do? All the days of your life, you follow the Lord. Let him guide you. You're not going to follow the Lord if you think of yourself as a lion. You'll say, I'm king of the jungle. You're the king of the jungle. And that's what you get. You get a jungle. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to a kingdom. And Jesus is the king. And you and I are not. Amen? See yourself as a servant to the king. See yourself as a sheep among the good shepherds. See yourself as the shepherd to help other sheep figure out how to keep moving forward and trust the good shepherd. Amen? So let him guide you. Well, how else do you let him guide you? Uh, Psalms 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is a shepherd writing this. This is David. He screwed up everything, had an affair, had somebody murdered. This is a bad man who's got great grace with God. And God loves him. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, literally is what he's feeling. I will fear no evil for you are, help me, with me. God is with you, man. He is with you. Wherever you're at, whatever season you're dealing with, he's with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This would be given to help guide along the sheep when the sheep makes a bad move. And every once in a while, if that sheep got too close to a raging river, the shepherd would be like, pow. And somebody standing by, like, that's mean. No, that's not mean. He was protecting that sheep from falling into that river. And you can imagine when a cotton ball falls into the river, it's just. <laughs> He's not coming back. His feet are not webbed. So your pain that you're going through right now, it could be that rod guiding you along. And don't scoff at it. Take joy in it. Lord, thank you. You're going to teach me. You're guiding me. Because, right, most of us learn. We don't learn from doing everything right. Most of us learn from doing something wrong. Ooh, that hurt. I'm not doing that again. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Leave it on. Ah! Never going to touch that stove again. So, number two, I'd say, is that the Good Shepherd provides. He provides everything you need. Wherever God guides, He Let's try that again. Wherever God guides, he, he provides everything you need. When my wife and I moved out to Arizona, we didn't know how it was all going to work. But we believed in that truth that God is the good shepherd and that where he guides, he will provide. Wherever he's called you in life, whatever season that you're dealing with right now, you need to know you have more than enough if you trust the good shepherd. Do not be the lion that breaks from the, the obedience of the good shepherd, be the sheep that say, you better take me where I need to go because I can't figure this out. He provides, this is what uh, Psalms 23, one through three says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, sheep don't even know when they need to rest sometimes. And this is you and me. We don't know 
Sometimes we just need to slow down. He leads me beside still waters. Notice it doesn't say raging waters. Because a sheep does not need to be near raging waters. He restores my what? Soul. You need soul care, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody can give that to you. I can't give that to you. No friend can give that to you. God can give that to you. The good shepherd can give that to you. Um, continuing on, the good shepherd provides, Psalms 23, 1 through 3, Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrased it like this, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. You let me catch my breath. Some of you need to catch your breath. I don't know what you've been going through or the challenges you find, but you do need to know this, that you need to slow down and let God be the good shepherd over your life. You need to humble yourself and realize that he's got your best intentions in mind. Number three, the good shepherd protects. He's a protector. He's going to protect you from your dumb mistakes, your foolish behavior, the enemy, the evil one. He'll protect you from the worst possible outcome you possibly could face. And he will save you and protect you. He offers salvation. He offers life. He does not offer death and despair doesn't mean you're not going to go through hardship. It doesn't mean that he will not discipline you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be frustrated at times. It just means that he's going to protect you. He's got you. This is what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's going to do everything he can. Jesus is far greater than King David. When King David, uh, as a young boy, when he was just a shepherd boy, it says that when a lion or a bear came after the sheep and grabbed one, he said, I would run after it. I would grab that lion and smite the lion and grab that lamb and take it back. Like that is powerful. That is our God. No matter where you go, the darkest places of your life, you need to know surely goodness is following you all the days of your life. Are you with me? No matter where you go, what you do, guess who's there right beside you? He is. To protect you, to strengthen you, to save you. Verse 12, he says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf and leaves the sheep, flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Let's look what it says in Psalms 23, 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley, uh, through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would trust in you, lean on you, rely on you, Lord, to do your work in us, that we would follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, we're looking at John chapter 10, verse 11 for communion. I want you to think about this as we're uh, preparing for communion. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd uh, lays down his life for the sheep. Um, this is substitutionary atonement is the theological phrase, is the idea that um, you have one who's coming after you even in when your sin and rebellion when we all like sheep have gone astray when we do our own thing we when we violate God and we go our own way Jesus Christ still comes after us 
and then he lays down his life. And the good news about Jesus Christ is when he lays down his life and dies to protect you, the good news is that he's risen again. And so in communion, you're remembering that you have a good shepherd who literally has laid down his life for you. And this is what the apostle Peter wrote about, 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25. Listen to this. He says, he himself, he's talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the cross. He said that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed, ladies and gentlemen, for all you who believe. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Return to the good shepherd today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I do pray that we would return to the good shepherd, the overseer of our souls. The soul is the most important part of our being, the immaterial part, the invisible part that we sense and know deep down is so valuable to all of human life. And we thank you that you are the overseer. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. So now we pray that you would restore our soul, that we'd return to you and thank you for being the good shepherd to guide us, to provide for us, to protect us. We lean on you and rely on you. And in this time of communion, refresh and restore our souls as we come back. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.